a right. social antisocial person. This is a countertype of the eights, a helpful eight who appears less aggressive and more loyal than the other two subtypes. It's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Hello, like, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> There's no social countertype eight. Hitler was the countertype. The instinct is the basis of the personality. And so our Enneagram type is our reaction and our managing of the dominant instinct. We react to our dominant instinct through the lens of type. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self president with five wing, four or five eight trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pressed sexual nine with one nine seven four trifix. What up? It's Emika. I'm an eight wing seven, sexual self-pres with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self-pressed social three wing four with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Right. Like subtype is a better description for the type and wing because it's a subset, whereas like instinct is independent. But just briefly, like Claudia Naranjo used Echazo's designation of the instincts like self-pres sexual social, but he was influenced by a guy named Alfred Molino or something like that. Molinos. I can't remember. Anyway, Mm. it was by this guy to use the Gurdjieffian idea of the subdivision of centers. So sort of like in the Michael teachings, the, Mm -hmm. the uh, intellectual part of the intellectual center, the emotional Mm -hmm. part of the intellectual center. And so he correlated Mm. self-pres with body, sexual with heart and social with mind. And Mm. that's That's where you, yeah, it's it's like you. There's something that kind of could be something something. Sure. But, oh yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so it's led to this idea that uh, you know, that's where the intimacy one-on-one thing comes from because it's confusing the sexual instinct in the heart. Yep. And you know, so anyway, uh, so like being a sexual four, I would be like the emotional part of the intellectual part of the emotional center is like yep. my type, you know. Mm. And so anyway, it's, it just confused the fuck out of everybody. And it's led to people trying to preserve Naranjo's sacred holy words uh, without like giving it a second look and being like, does this stuff make any sense or not? You know, mm-hmm. uh, welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram. It is your uh, Enneagram e-girls, John, Emika, David, and Nancy. And we are looking at the idea of countertypes today. Uh, but before we do, uh, first of all, we are having a love line. So we're asking you to to tell us on the love line uh, what your type is and what your sexual kinks are, what what, uh, what you're into sexually. Uh, we're just curious. So it's totally anonymous. And for research purposes. For research purposes. Call into the love line and it'd just be an interesting, interesting thing to talk about and to understand what people's kinks are and how it might be related to their type and instinct. And so, and- you know. And it's this is in reference to something that John did on our Instagram, where he posted a question like this: of state your type, state your kink, whether it's about just yourself or a kink you have about a certain type. And people responded with all types of really wild shit that was really interesting. And so we'd like to bring some of that energy on the pod. Speaking speaking of uh, the the Instagram, uh, our our Instagram our meme account, Big Hormone. 
rest in peace was uh finally shut down by uh by the algorithm evangelical christian fundamentalists reported our account until it got shut down by instagram that's what happened. <laughs> that's our suspicion so we have a new one that we're trying to get uh get going so, some new stuff with a lot of the old stuff it's just big hormone enneagram on instagram so follow please and unless um, you're a christian yeah unless stay you're the fuck away <laughs> We're probably going to have to go, you know, like a lot of pages that I follow that are interesting and private, they do private, but also they just get shut down frequently and they just keep, you know, you can't kill the internet. So you just keep coming back and Mm -hmm. rebuilding. So I I feel that that's probably going to be our thing. But um, for those who are calling into the love line, a reminder again that the number is 323-696-0647. And to the Christians out there, we actually are evil. Yes. yes. <laughs> you can't stop us. We will keep regenerating and we're oh, not going anywhere. I forgot to tell you guys. I'm part of the uh, Satanist temple now. Did I really? tell you? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because I can claim religious freedom if I need an abortion. Well, you know, it's good. It'll be a good thing to say from now on at the beginning of the podcast that we are sponsored by the Satanist temple. Oh, my God. Yes. They would love us. <laughs> I've started listening to some Satanist podcasts. It's, it's pretty great. Absolutely. It's on brand for us. We're mm-hmm. all about that uh, underworld. Uh, <laughs> underneath the crust of the and underneath the daylight, uh, we're into what's unconscious and what is uh, subterranean. And so uh, there's hot shit down there. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So subtypes or countertype. Uh, this is an idea that is featured prominently in the complete Enneagram uh, 48 Paths to Greater Knowledge uh, by Beatrice Chestnut. Beatrice Chestnut, uh, you know, was greatly, greatly influenced by Naranjo. And I believe I have seen her suggest that, you know, that she feels like her work is just bringing forward Naranjo's work. Also the, the table of, not the table of contests, but the credits. Mm-hmm. If you look at the back of the book, it's just Naranjo, 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 down the line pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so is, do you know, Emika, if, if countertypes are first introduced in this book or through her work, or is this something that This is not her adopted? concept. This is not her concept because uh, the original notes from this is the, the, the subtype descriptions, the original Naranjo descriptions were from a lecture. Yeah. And I can see in the notes that he denoted which ones were countertypes and for each one. So countertypes. Okay. Is Naranjo's probably yeah. idea. Okay. She doesn't have anything. This is, this is all his shit. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So there's a major point of confusion and I see countertypes referenced consistently for why somebody is definitely 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 type x but they don't have any of the traits or qualities or look like or sound like or talk like or whatever type x mm-hmm. um it's a way of kind of getting vague and saying oh but i'm an exception to everything that makes that type that type <laughs> I, it, it is not a tool this idea of counter types uh that clarifies or adds more awareness it's just a way to kind of finagle things and keep things vague Anytime you come upon something in the Enneagram that's like, it's not that you don't understand it, but it's something that it doesn't illuminate. It makes exceptions or it kind of, it, it clouds the elegance of the system. Uh, be highly suspicious of it. And so Almost like it's, it's uncertain. Yeah, say. yeah. Well, countertypes are made up by Naranjo and there's no such thing as a countertype. And so what we're going to talk about, like the idea of a countertype is that there are certain uh instinct type combinations that the instinct goes against the energy or the quality of the type so for example uh like a a common one is self-preservation too 
right? Like how is the giving loving too with a self-preservation instinct? Like how that seems like a self-serving instinct? How are those energies compatible? Now, this definition of like energy and going against itself is super vague and sloppy and unspecific. And on, like, if you just hear it, you're like, oh man, maybe it's, it's countering it um, in, in a way that's sort of just vague and hard to uh, pin down. Real, real quick, I just want to mention that um, so, an, an issue that I realized with countertype is that th this idea or this concept was something that Naranjo presented in a lecture or at a present, like a, a workshop that he just came up with. It wasn't something that he meant for it to, like he had developed and meant to put mm. it on in a text. And like, he's a social five. And so there's a lot of competency there in the sense that if I'm going to develop something and put it down into right. text, then it's going to be developed and I'm going to make sure it's actually correct. So it's like, if someone took our trifix roast pod, which is, I think, pretty representative of those types, but it's not something that we've seriously developed. It's kind of like riffing on impressions and wrote a whole book based on those those riffs that mm -hmm. we came up with mm -hmm. and created a whole typology around that and that's basically was what she's done where um you know just taking ideas that were presented not necessarily developed but then saying this is this is a real thing i think naranjo also disowned some of his yes that's right stuff. that's what i heard yeah mm -hmm. yes so yeah, so uh, as according to the book, it says for each of the nine types, there's a countertype subtype. Countertype subtype. Countertype subtype. In, each, in every case, with each of the nine <laughs> points of the anagram, there are two subtypes that go with the flow of the energy of the passion. And there is one that is upside down, one that doesn't look like the others and goes against the main energetic direction of the passion. This is counter, this is, this counter passional type is called the countertype of the three subtypes. For example, the counterphobic sexual six is the most well-known of the countertypes. It's a six who is unafraid. The passion of the six is fear, and the sexual subtype goes against fear by being strong and intimidating as a way of coping with the fear. So there's so many assumptions here, like what, like that a six, that a sexual six is unafraid, and that the fear, you know, being afraid is what makes the the passion of the six. And or, that the sexual type goes against it by being strong. And the whole thing is just full of wrong assumption. Or, or that counterphobia only shows up in the sexual six, which yeah. is exactly. way wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anything else to add before we get into the types? Um, one more thing I forgot to add. We're doing this topic not only because we need to do it, because someone sent in a question asking about countertypes. So we already were planning to do it. So it was just like, all right, we got to do it now because someone sent in a question. <laughs> Right. So we're going to just beginning with the she she lays out the, in the body center nine, eight and then one instead of nine or eight, nine, one. So we're going to start with nine. And so, I mean, we could do whole episodes on why the quote unquote subtypes are usually pretty wrong, like from the Naranja point of view. Yeah. Um, but let's just read it here. So, so for the nine, the counter type is the social nine. Uh, Social nine, participation. Social nine, fuse with groups. They act out laziness when connecting with their own inner life by working hard to be part of the different groups in their lives. Fun-loving, sociable, and congenial characters. Social nines can be workaholics, prioritizing the group's needs above their own. This high level of activity makes them the counter type of the three nine subtypes. So they're saying because no. the, the social nine is involved in groups, it makes them more active than other nines can be 
I suppose. <laughs> it sounds like they're involved with groups, so they work harder uh, oh, God. <laughs> to prioritize the group's needs above their own, which, what, like, what groups? Like, how, I, the whole thing is incredibly vague. But yeah, it says the high-level activity so it makes them a countertype of the nine. There are some really fucking busy self pres nines and some really fucking busy sexual nines. <laughs> totally, totally. So going back to the idea of subtype, part of the problem is that through this Naranjo definition of subtype, the social instinct is a vague group, I guess, instinct. It's like vague. Mm. Like they always use the term herd, which I think is actually pretty um, kind of insulting in a way. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that it's just I need to be with a group and it's given the kind of nuance and understanding of human connection, human behavior, and human history. Uh, it's just, just it's given nothing. Like it's just mm-hmm. given this very flat, ugly, like, oh, we were part of tribes and working for the tribe. And, uh, you know, the social instinct is not just a group instinct. And in fact, there are plenty of social types that hate groups and hate people in general. Social instinct is a drive to create and maintain connections and relationships. And that can be one-on-one or that can be multiple groups, multiple people. It, 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 it's got like the, the social and instinct. it's particular too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's very nuanced and it's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, this weird, like, I don't know where people just join fucking groups in our culture, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, it's just a weird reading of the whole thing. And I don't know anything else we got to say about that. Every single one of these like countertypes, when you look at it, it's like the whole thing is fucking stupid. Like it doesn't, it's like a misrepresentation of that instinct. It doesn't really provide any nuance. So this is like saying something that isn't true at all. Like saying like nine social nines seem the least like nine other nines because they're busy, because they're involved with groups where, I mean, it's like, have you met a self-pres nine that is a workaholic? <laughs> just fucking, tons of them. You know? Uh, so it's just, I feel like you go down the list and you're just going to be, uh, we're just going to be more upset and disappointed because each one is just peddling huge inaccuracies and misrepresentations of each instinct. Well, and so what I'd say about like actual social nine, so like sloth is the passion of self-forgetting. It's like, I, as a person, am not that important. And so uh, there's a way they, they get into these autonomy conflicts where uh, there's a tension between how much they give themselves over to other people and relationships and how much of themselves they keep for themselves. And what happens is nines can have this thing where they're trying to stay in connection, but they're forgetting themselves or somehow giving up on themselves or downplaying their own significance and importance, their self-esteem in order to keep certain relationships going. They lean out of their own center to be connected to others. Um, and what can happen is it can play out as nines compartmentalizing different aspects of themselves that get dis- expressed in different relationships. So like this friend I can be deep and sensitive with, and then this friend I can be uh, gregarious and outgoing, and this friend I can be aggressive and real, but it's hard for me to get all on the same page. These, the relationships and the way I maintain them kind of almost reinforces a self-fragmentation that sloth is characterized by. Does that make sense? So it's a way that relationships keep me as a nine diverse and divided when I'm not attending to my inner life. And I'm often, um, you know, sloth for the social nine is like a preemptive self-rejection of their own gifts, capacities, uh, their own ability to be accepted by others. And they can struggle with finding their own voice in the midst of different voices they might internalize. Um, and and the, at the same time, though, they can have these relationships they're trying to maintain 
but they can also they can also like have these relationships trying to maintain while rationalizing or daydreaming for a more a better relationship elsewhere a better kind of connection so it help it means that they're not even present to the relationships they're in so that's kind of like what a social nine is and there's no contradiction between nineness and social instinct uh whatsoever in my opinion yeah it's kind of like understanding what how each type is doing each instinct and you know i right. guess the counter type is concepts created just to try to explain the combinations that that the author didn't understand hundred <laughs> percent and one thing too is just structurally or whatever you know the dominant instinct or the instinctual stacking is kind of let's say arising from the animal self and then the type is managing that instinctual arising mm-hmm. right or and so that's one reason why this whole thing doesn't make sense because it's still like higher up to the surface, so to speak, it's still the type is what you're going to see. We react to our dominant instinct through the lens of type, mm-hmm. right? Right. The type is the ba- or the instinct is the basis of the personality, and so our enneagram type is our reaction and our managing of the dominant instinct. And so, yeah. part of what makes countertypes such a a, a poor idea is that uh, it misunderstands this fundamentally. And it's, it's more like, instead of Naranjo going back and re-examining his assumptions about how he understands either type or instinct or subtype or whatever, and going, you know what, there's something here that doesn't make sense. Instead, it's building a conceptual layer over these kind of mistakes to make those make sense. And yet there's, no, there's nothing in the Enneagram, the logic of the Enneagram or logic of personality that suggests that there's somehow instinct and type that are at odds in any way it doesn't make any it's just something just to to sort of explain why a mistake doesn't fit and it's flipping that structure that we just described right it's saying that like nineness is the baseline and then the instincts are somehow on top exactly exactly so um going on to uh eight Eight. counter god this one this is is great you know (laughs) the social eight solidarity Social eights expressed lust and aggression in the service of others. A social, antisocial person. Ugh. This is the countertype of the eights. A helpful eight who appears less aggressive and more loyal than the other two eight subtypes. The name solidarity emphasizes their tendency to offer help when people need protection. Oh, man. I have so much I could say about this. It, it's like the helpful eight who appears less aggressive and more loyal than the other two eight subtypes. Like. Some of the most obnoxious fucking eights you'll ever see or meet are going to be social eights. Absolutely. Because, the, because you know, every eight is about expansion and, and forcefulness and aliveness. Because they, they're looking for that in the instinctual arena of, of connections and, and um, relationships, that's where their reactivity is going to show up most, which is going to be how they relate to other people. So it's social eight is the most obnoxious eight that you can feel in a group setting. Like yeah. they're going to be the most obvious eight more so than self-pres. And of course, every eight can be obnoxious for um, within the arena of their dominant instinct. But to the idea that this would be the, the counter type of eight doesn't make any sense. If you had to pick any of the three um, eights that you could pe- pick as the, less, the least um, 
aggressive or the least eight-ish, you would probably go with sexual because that's probably the one that has the softest boundaries. But then again, in the attraction arena, you don't want that. That's going to be an obnoxious personality to deal with. So, like, this is so fucking ridiculous. You know, this, right. like, no, any social aids. You know, this is fucking stupid. This is just so dumb. <laughs> well, just, just like, uh, just like the, um, you know, the social nine is slothing the social instinct. Uh, social eight is lusting the social instinct. And so, what yeah. that means is being like, the energy generator, the ringleader, the kind of one who, um, you know, wants to kind of be like the center of gravity or the one leaving an impact on other people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, um, I think they want to make a, like, it's like wanting to make a big splash and wanting to be, um, well, I I would say the social, it's they stave off fears of abandonment, uh, by being the instigating centerpiece or ringleader that provides their group or, their friends or family or whatever, a sense of meaning or mission. You know, it's kind of like I'm the the one that's generating the agenda that keeps people going, keeps people together. Yeah. And it's like the energy center that no one asked for. Because <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great, that's such a great roast name. <laughs> it's like I've seen this happen multiple times where it's like as a rejection type, it's like I, I don't exist unless I'm offering something. So as a social aid, it's not like I, I'm not going to admit that I want anyone here to like me or want mm-hmm. to hang out with me. So I'm just going to instigate something that's immediately going to put me at the center of some mm-hmm. kind of energy where whether you like it or not, I'm the energy center of this, you know, um, group setting for some reason. I've just created a, a situation where I'm, at the, I'm in the middle of stuff. And I've seen social aid to do this time and time again. And it's, it can seem obnoxious to other people, but it's like grabbing the energy center of the group. And nobody asked for this, but it's like, here I am. <laughs> you have to pay attention to me now uh, because I'm instigating some, uh, something that we're all part of. Right. They might act like they're needed somehow. It's like where the, some of the line to two comes in, you know, where like, mm-hmm. like, or I'm like restoring justice by getting in the middle of this thing. That's not my fucking business. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, but it's, it's just, or, you know, there's, there's always some, excuse but like when an when an eight is a social aid is not healthy it's like they're finding whatever they can just to be the the generator the ringleader yeah it's uh it's a lot it's yeah it's a lot we have some firsthand experience <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that one <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've had a, a, some opportunities to learn social aid firsthand just over the years of the way people interact online and and not really understanding what would social and eightness look like and me trying to like learn about social from the eight perspective. Mm. Um, it's just been really interesting because it's like, why would this person do this? Like, <laughs> why would this person like act like this? And I, I could see some of my own social eightness that's, you know, sort of compartmentalized and unconscious, but seeing that acting, uh, someone acting that out in such a, you know, direct, uh, like this is their first instinct to do that. It, it's been a real interesting thing to observe. And it's not, there's nothing counter-type or less aggressive about this. This is no. definitely, the, I think, <laughs> potentially the most obnoxious. Oh, most day. definitely the most obnoxious. Because <laughs> it's just out there. They, they need people. That's so intense. To buy into this idea of I'm instigating something that you all are a part of. You didn't ask for this, but here we are. I'm at the center <laughs> of it. I think also it can be a little bit more, um, like, there's a little bit more moralizing. Oh yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they do need you to get on board. 
Yeah. So like they can't just be like, this is that ah, like here we go, or we're doing my agenda or whatever. It's like <laughs> yeah. there is a little bit of this like appeal to <laughs> you must want to do my agenda. Yeah, like it's, there's a it's like the a right bit of, thing. Yeah, and like either it can be either kind of godfathery or it can be kind of um <laughs> you know, like you come to me on this day of my daughter's wedding, like a little bit of this <laughs> like oh, like this kind of like uh Godfather's great example where he acts sort of very offended but then like i'm gonna be graceful and you know there's this repayment kind of quality going mm -hmm. on it's mm -hmm. like but it's somehow it's like it's not that big a deal but i'm always gonna act like there's some emotional string that needs to be pulled yes there's, there's getting leverage very, right mm -hmm. it's contextual leverage is what what social aids are doing it's they're gonna just try to justify the space that they're taking up they're gonna make it seem mm -hmm. like yeah you feel that the right thing to do the right thing for everyone is for you to give them space. Like you should hand it over that this is definitely the, I'm taking care of the situation. They're not just gonna grab it like a self-president is just gonna fucking bulldoze into the situation. But a social aid's going to make it seem like um this is the right thing for everyone. Um they're gonna sell everyone so, on it. It's a presentation. Yes, yes, yeah. This uh these descriptions that we're reading, it just goes to show like how much Beatrice doesn't understand the type and uh the um instinct because mm -hmm. I feel like oh. that description of eight is like just a complete misunderstanding of the social instinct as a whole mm -hmm. so I don't know it's just interesting when all these people write books and uh, they're just completely off <laughs> you know yeah. like I mean I I put it on Naranjo more than anything like I don't think anybody should like just represent anybody else's work you know mm -hmm. like i think yeah. everybody should, should have in a like very original vision and make it have really thought it out in their own awareness before they put it out there somewhere else but so i i, I don't you know like if she, she might be seeing naranjo and i don't know her relationship to naranjo, naranjo as a person when he was alive you know there might be like this whole kind of emotional mentor mentee thing but i do think that naranjo like when I read, what is it, Character Neurosis or whatever, it might have been that one. There's another one that I, I can't remember what the name is right now, like any type structures or something. There's a lot that just seems like a flourish that he's sort of <laughs> throwing out that I don't know even how seriously he takes the ideas. You yes. Know? Yeah. It's, it's social. I mean, you have some experience. Social sexual as a stacking is kind of like his writing style is very flourishy. Like mm -hmm. it's sort of just relishing on like the new an idea but it doesn't necessarily an idea that's been fleshed out um right. and it's it's not it's not text either it's kind of like just riffing but Curly you know, cues. yeah like but someone <laughs> who looks up to him and basically takes everything he says as gospel is going to take that and a couple of decades later they're going to write a whole book on it one of the things that really offended me once i realized so i mean early on in in my journey of trying to figure out my enneagram stuff like this is one of the books that i thought okay here's a book about instincts and subtype and let me read this stuff the i realized at some point that the quote that she had included for the sexual eight description was mm -hmm. completely doctored that that's not a real person <laughs> i just need to point that out you because the one of them, i need to point that out hold on let me let me find it because <laughs> i was just appalled because it it was clear that someone who wasn't a sexual type or an eight had written that description <laughs> this is in the in the chestnut book yeah because the, the person is referring to their own charisma. Now, what person does that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> At least some, like, what person that you'd ask to put a quote about themselves? 
would say that. Look, you know, like okay. So Kathy, as sexual eight speaks, as a sexual eight, I like to have a small group of trusted, trusting people, trusted and trusting people around me. What the fuck is that kind of sentence? Okay. When my circle becomes too large, I become uncomfortable and withdraw. I like to be all things to the people in my inner circle. And when that circle becomes unmanageable, it makes me a little crazy. Others can definitely feel it when I start to pull away. Um, okay, whatever. I, I like I seem to take care of those around me. My sexual instinct can make this look like I'm dominating, uncontrolling, and controlling the people around me. Although I'm usually very conscious of my power over others, it's very difficult for others to resist the temptation to indulge me. I'm absolutely charismatic and can convincingly bring others towards me without appearing to want adult adulation. People tend to think of me as a guru. And for the most part, I lead and others follow without question. And I, I, I don't. I've, I've been told that my power is like a narcotic to others. And it happens without having an awareness that it's happening. Um, my sexual instinct also makes me one of those rare people who can cross others, other, others' usual boundaries without making them uncomfortable. Yo, it's definitely <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, it's <laughs> most definitely and uncomfortable. That's a social type. Jesus fucking Get off Christ. Your own that's fucking not dick. sexual. That's, that's not sexual. No. And it that goes on. Social on. duty. I, I genuinely care about others, and that translates into feeling feeling uh, into others uh translates into others feeling protected and safe in my presence. Um probably not. Someone close to me made this observation. People in your presence find themselves hanging on to your every word, looking to you for approval, seeming submissive, submissive, and overcome with awe. John, I didn't know I found a description of exactly our relationship. This is amazing. <laughs> Hang on to your every word. <laughs> oh, God. I read this and I was just like throwing up. And then, and then towards the end, this person, this, uh, this quote says, Naranjo was correct about sexual eights. What real person is saying that? <laughs> our, our colors are more vivid. Oh. As a sexual eight, my colors shine brightly. Except for those times when my energy is zapped by my need to be both protector. This is the most ludicrous bullshit that I've ever fucking heard. I, I was just like, I wanted to burn this book once I realized <laughs> this person made this shit up. This is not a real person. They're just stroking their own ego. That's Jesus all they're doing. Christ. Anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you got to find that person. I want them on this podcast. <laughs> I want to interview them. This cartoon person. And you know, the funny thing is that the quote doesn't even match the description of sexual aid that like, it, well, maybe the description is describing this like uh, extreme group leader type person, which doesn't even fit what the sexual drive is about. God, that's hilarious. Let's, uh, let's do one. Okay. So uh, the counter type is the sexual instinct. Sexual one, the name is zeal. Sexual ones focus on perfecting others. They are more reformers than perfectionists. Uh, it's called a social type. Um, yeah. The only one who is explicitly angry, the only type one that it, who is explicitly angry, they act out anger through their intense desire to improve others and get what mm. they want. They feel entitled in a way a reformer or a zealot can feel entitled. They believe they have a right to change society and get what they want because they have a higher understanding of the truth and the reasons behind the, quote, right way to be, unquote. Uh, the countertype of the ones, they're the most more impulsive and outwardly angry. They go against the counter-instinctive tendency of the one to repress anger and impulses. She's 
throughout the book, I mean, that's one of the main things about sexual in the chestnut book is uh, sexual, among other things, means angry. Oh, right. <laughs> intense. <laughs> Competitive and all. Intense. All... I hate that word intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Everyone thinks they're intense. Everyone thinks they're intense. And like in the Enneagram world, like I can't, I just how many people preface their descriptions or whatever. Just people love to think of themselves as being intense. Have you guys ever run into a person at these Enneagram conferences that like says they're an eight or something and they purposefully make really direct eye contact with you, even though you know that they're performing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's every, every other person I talk to, I'm like, stop it. I know this isn't the true you. Stop it. They don't do that to me though. (laughs) People will perform like when they like, they're like, oh, you're a four. And then they like try to make like, like like watery eye contact with me you know I mean, really? yeah <laughs> yeah nothing yeah. nothing uh makes me hate them more you know performing the type deep eye contact like just yeah <laughs> just fucking going to an iea i think changed my life in the sense that i just realized how many fucking enneagram professionals were grossly mistyped maybe you realize oh actually i'm an expert i'm actually ahead of these people these people aren't ahead of me that's one thing that's amazing about the, that whole IEA thing is how many of the top, top people are mistyped. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the social, the sexual one is the social one. And it's just like, yeah. a, it's just like a more intense Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. There's not even a, a sexual one description in this book. Like, yeah, really? Let's see. There's, there's, there's nothing here. Oh, yeah. So the social one, it says, uh, social ones unconsciously consider themselves to be perfect. They express their anger through focusing on being the perfect model of the right way to be. They have a teacher mentality that reflects an unconscious need for superiority. Social one, the anger is half hidden. There's a transformation of the heat into cold, of heat of anger into cold. This is a cooler intellectual personality type in the main, which in which the main theme is control. God. So like, what drives me crazy about these is they sort of have identified like a loose attitude that they observe in somebody that may or may not be even accurately typed. Mm-hmm. And they'll right. try to explain the, the, the behavior attitude backwards is how this reads to me. Like it doesn't read to me like you're going, okay, how does the social drive interact with a type one personality and the passion of anger and, you know, like being a body type and being a body type that supplements the body stuff with the emotional center. You know, it doesn't go through it in that kind of building block from the ground up. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is a cold, superior, uh, the right way to be, angry, aloof one. This must be a whole type. It's like he's it's describing still- members of his family or something yeah. that he thinks are a certain type. Not like, you know, not like taking into account that there might be several different manifestations of a certain type structure that might show up differently, but there's still an essential thing, but you're saying things that might not apply to people of the same type. And it's so basic that it's like, Oh, well that could be someone on a bad day. Yeah. (laughs) Right. This is supposed to define a whole personality structure. And apparently they're very one dimensional all the time. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, like, I don't know. So anyway, it's just terrible. But let me let me find uh, some notes I had on se- uh, what was the sexual, sexual one. one. Yeah, this is from your stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, and yeah. y'all feel you know put y'all thing out yeah, there. I, mean, I dated a sexual one, and, right. and it's it's um you know rigidity and rightness and the sexual drive. So there's a lot of this is how it's supposed to be. Like this is how attraction and chemistry is supposed to happen. 
but also like mm-hmm. setting up these like idealistic standards, but also wanting to transgress those at the same time. So there's uh, mm-hmm. like we talked about on the competency call where it's like, I want things to be this way, but at the same time, I want to see how much of the opposite that I can be, you know, attracted to and be into without like allowing that to corrupt this idealistic thing. But there's also a way of wanting to keep the, comp- the frustration going of it's never quite right. So I have to be into something that, you know, like I see a lot of seven or ones that end up with like sevens, you know, or types that are not like them at all, where it's like, there's always something to correct and to be dis- uh, frustrated with when you're with a partner that's kind of inter- that represents this um, shadow aspect of the type one. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a, a way of doing attraction where it's, you know, you're trying to perfect and refine it and that's my experience anyway i think it's really well said but i'll add what because like one of the things that a lot of these instinct type descriptions miss is how the coming together of instinct and type like works for the agenda of that type and so what i mean in this case is like you know one is an autonomy type they're a body type so how does autonomy work even when they don't like they're frustrated which you know it's like the frustration is part of the ego's way of maintaining autonomy for the one so this is what i have Uh, Sexual ones are usually very free, sexually free and expressive, yet they may judge the sexual dynamic for not being reflective enough of certain values, for not being up to par as lovers. Autonomy plays uh, the other person not being up to par as a lover. Autonomy plays a central role in in the type one personality. So the judgment that they directed themselves at lovers and at the relationship as a whole unconsciously functions to reinforce separateness. If the partner is to X, Y, or Z to infuse themselves with, or the sexual one judges them to, themselves to be unworthy or not good enough for their partner. This may present emotional difficulties, but overall the judgment serves to keep the one feeling sovereign and clear of the corrupting messy elements in reality. So it's like a way to keep still a distance and a boundary, but through frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I'd realized on the last episode that we did of the competency types being sort of like emotionally neutral which can come across a little bit colder than, you know, doing positive or reactive. Um, and it just made, reminded me of my experience of a sexual one of that. I was surprisingly, even for like sexual types, regardless of what people say about sexual types, like the type really colors the way that's going to be expressed. And so the emotional tone of that engage, that whole thing was a lot more neutral than um, some other types that I've been, I've been involved in. So there's, sense of keeping us separate based mm. on things never being quite right and it has a very um neutral competence sort of uh way of approaching things that approaching an instinct that you wouldn't otherwise think was what's going to be so rigid and competent in that way mm-hmm. so it did feel a little bit more colder than i don't know another type would all right want to move on to two yep is it no? What's what's the first hard type? Is it three that they have? Yeah, let's we'll do. Yeah, we'll do three because we did nine first. Yeah. All right. So the counter type of three. It's me. <laughs> you, Nancy. <laughs> uh, security. That was unexpected. The self-preservation three has a sense of vanity for having no vanity. Uh, mm-hmm. mm. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> this three also wants to be admired by others, but avoids openly seeking recognition. Mm. That's a lie. <laughs> That's bullshit. Not just satisfied with looking good, the self-press three just strives to be good. Uh, emphasis on B, I think, out here. 
they are determined to be a good person, to match the perfect model of how a person should be. Uh, being a perfect model of quality implies virtue, and virtue implies a lack of vanity. Self-prez three seek a sense of security through being good, working hard, and being effective and productive. Wow. That is so this all is over the so, place. <laughs> also, this is that's such like, garbage. They just describe. They were like, they just described every three, except saying, "Oh, well, it's not vain." But it's also a lot of uh, super ego. Stuff yeah, in there. they described ones and sixes. Like, yeah, you know, that's what like, I'm saying. Like this, this, there may be like a one that sees their vanity in terms of like their virtuousness, their pride in their virtuousness. They might go, "Oh, I might be a self-pressed three. Mm-hmm. But then the, the security is the aim. Is bizarre. Like, how how is that? How are they coming to that? How is that related to threeness? Oh man, this is so bad. Every one of these descriptions is just like you're it's just getting you, worse and worse. If you read it, you're gonna get lost. Like you wouldn't actually see the type or the instinct <laughs> here. It reads like a low-level research paper where the person didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> They're well, like, ah, and, yeah. <laughs> and and the problem is, until John's book comes out, it's been the only book mm-hmm. on the subtypes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. My book should be coming out, like, pretty fucking soon, I'm hoping. I've got, like, everything ready to go. It's just, like, my friend is a Gurdjieff teacher, and he's, like, m- giving me extra little points about... Uh, making sure I'm representing the work accurately. So it's mm-hmm. just taken a bit, but it's been a long fucking thing. Anyway. This this whole episode is just an elaborate ad for John's yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> like I'm, I was hoping that when my book starts coming out that we can all just do like, like yes. more instinct focused episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm literally been prepping for this. Cool. <laughs> we're going to do a little book club where we read John's book. Let's do book a book club. Then, Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we could do a book club with our listeners. Yeah, totally. For oh. real. Yeah, I'd love Hell that. Oh, yeah. This is a great marketing scheme. Okay. Let's, let's invite Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> no. No? Okay. Oprah's not invited. I, I don't like Oprah. Nancy, what is a self-pros three? Well, it's obviously what is in the book. That's it. Having no vanity. I, yeah, I, having I absolutely no vanity. Only being focused on being a good person, but also being focused on uh, security, 100%. Mm-hmm. I think... <laughs> I think like there is one of the main like there is something about the self-pres three having a certain kind of less flashiness, but I think that it gets really overplayed. Yeah. Like I think self-pres threes are the most like they most value like efficiency and competency. Mm-hmm. And I I, I like, think it's the most like um focused on like being logical and you know, that kind of like taking things like researching and blah 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 like that kind of bullshit being like normal human well i i think that like i like i suspect that i have a uh, i do rolfing you know like i've done mm, like, yeah and i think my rolfer i think she's a self-pres three she's like um just like a fucking master of understanding the body and has really like done amazing stuff with other modalities that she brings into it and it's just like you know she's not fucking rich she's not fucking all over social media she's not whatever but she's she's like a really skillful person yeah and like there's so much uh like like I, said, I guess like the sense of like excellence or something that goes mm-hmm. into her skillfulness and her you know so I, I just really see like she's like in a sense like a like a kind of more humble profession right she's not like making a ton of money or living a flashy lifestyle it's like competency around the body and like resources and and skills Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. well i want to push back on the idea that 
um, they're not flashy or cocky because it's inherent to self-pres that it's not when it comes to skills that when you're really cocky about skills, it's not, um, it's not as flashy as maybe social or sexual might be, but right. in, in the arena of those people who are yes. competing for that skill, mm-hmm. self-press three are obnoxiously cocky and hell yes. You know, That's like very true, like yep. in, within the competitive arena of, let's say cycling, you got Lance Armstrong. Like I watched like maybe an hour of the documentary ESPN has on him just because it was, he's an interesting (laughs) character, but that motherfucker is like a psychopathic, like competitively um, psychopathic individual. Like if you watch documentaries on Michael Jordan, another self-press three or um, boxers, you know, just like within the arena Mm -hmm, of their mm -hmm, sport or their business or whatever it is, these people are incredibly cocky competitive they will just destroy anyone who stands in their way so it's it it, maybe it doesn't seem flashy to the outside world but like people who you know actually line up against them would would say otherwise right another example very humble person spsx three with a four kanye west (laughs) (laughs) oh no he is yes Yeah. Oh, gross. One of the oh, most obnoxious geez. human beings, self biggest <laughs> self promotional, and he's social blind too. Like, no, like, and he's a Kyle too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that explains it. Yeah. He is totally a Kyle. Um, I feel like self press threes have a little bit more of a focus on if I can't be the best, I'm not going to do it. So it's either all in or not at all kind yeah. of thing. Whereas like the other threes may like, be kind of jacks of all trades i feel like self-pres threes are more like can i be the best no okay i'm yeah. not gonna try it like actually yeah. have the skill master best yeah mm-hmm. like yeah mastery I, is a good word yeah like when i was in high school i didn't put any effort in because i was like Mm-mm, i can't do this i'm not gonna be good at it now that i'm in college i'm like i can only get a 4.0 and if i don't then i'm going to die mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's just this black and white of there's no b plus yeah it doesn't exist. Yeah, it just seems to me that self press three is the most uh, most keyed into the actual skill set in mastering the skill set. So, of the three, I mean, all threes are going to be wanting to be competent in what they do, but a self press three is going to be really competitive about actually being the best at, at um, the most skilled at what they do. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of like athletes, like you know, talking about Michael Jordan and stuff. Like, isn't Tiger Woods probably self pressed three? Yeah, also? he is self pressed yes. sexual three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that kind of shit. Where yeah, it's not like uh, I don't know. I'm t- like no Madonna, who's like a you know right. sexual type or something. It's it's got a different quality. Mm-hmm. All right, so type two. Uh, the the name is privilege. <laughs> type self preservation twos seduce like a child in the presence of grown-ups in the ew <laughs> that's just, really yeah, I just, creepy i just gotta pause the, the like the weird chills like subside in um, <laughs> the presence of grown-ups is a way to unconsciously induce others to take care of them everyone likes children not true no <laughs> not fucking true most people hate them go ahead selfress two adopts a youthful stance as a way of getting special treatment well beyond childhood as the countertype, it's less easy to see pride in this two because they're more fearful of and ambivalent about connecting with others. The title privilege reflects the two's desire to be loved and prioritized just for being who they are, not for what they give to others, which seems pretty healthy to me. To be loved for who you are and not what you give to others. 
Related to the youthful stance, these twos are playful, irresponsible, and charming. And I mean, I've got a self-pressed two mom, and this yeah, is too. this is insulting and obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Creepy too. Yeah. Fucking creepy. Self-pressed twos just, you know, they they insert themselves into they because it's sort of looking for trying to embody love love and kindness and care but through the self-pres instinct and so the way i experienced my mother is she's always fishing for a way to um insert herself into your life and and sort of helping you but it's like lovingness and care through the arena of lifestyle and um the body and 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 health care and shit like that isn't this the classic too of giving you food yeah Yeah. constantly having a blanket for you to cuddle up in and so like self-press too is like this whole thing about being like needing to be cared for through being seductive and charming is like that sounds pretty bizarre sounds more like an 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 immature seven or something Mm -hmm. or six Mm -hmm. or something yeah or nine even because twos are very resistant of even uh accepting care from others i mean they like it but it's it's the ego wants to be the one doing the caring. Yeah. There was a Yeah, sorry, Nancy. No, I was just gonna say they don't accept care easily. <laughs> That's the whole thing of twos, but anyway. Yep. Right. Like they're uncomfortable as rejection types because they're not in a position of doing or offering when you're when they're receiving. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so there was an interesting distinction Joseph made in one of the online discussions where I won't go into what it was about, but it was arguing with whether somebody was a two or a four. And um, Joseph, like, made the the comments that I can't remember what he said, but the, the twos have basically like a robust quality, right? Like that there's a being a rejection type. They all have a like that that energy and that line of eight gives them a certain kind of robustness. They're not fragile, and they don't nope, need no. to seduce like a two, like a, a a fucked up weird Lolita character or something. Like <laughs> they. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there, there's like a, there's a, a lot of power in twos, and so like the, the self press too is caring mostly through the body and mostly through yeah material means and like making sure your state is good. It's not as much I need to flatter you or I need to make you feel like I like you or you like me, but it's more about like actually servicing. It's like my mom is also a self pres too, and she was a nurse, and I was just recounting uh, to Alexandra about how uh, when I got dysentery. Uh, from India, I thought I was like fucking dying and had all these like, like weird memories come up and stuff like this. And it was one of the central ones was the way that when I was sick, that was when my mom would give me the most attention. Mm-hmm. She was caring for me in the most proactive way because I, I, my, I needed her from that point of view. And that sometimes I didn't always understand other ways that I felt maybe less cared for because I'm not a self-pres type and I was tracking other things. And so not understanding instincts and looking back at type and instinct has helped me make more sense of my mom's like love language, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and understand where there might have been some misses early in our relationship. Uh, so, yeah, the self-pres too is this like, just take care of me and whatever. I, this, this thing is just, it just, it's insulting, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit too. And and it's the exact opposite because mm-hmm. it's and seduced like a child. Like, no, self-pressed too seduces like a mother. Yeah. Like, you know, it's the opposite. It's a parenting kind of energy where it's like, I'm going to take care of you. I know what, what you need. 
you know, to feel better. And, you know, I'm like, there. it's, it's a very caring sort of control in a way, because it's like, you're down and I'm going to swoop in and give you what you need and nurse you back to health. That's the energy that self-press two is, is coming with. I know of a couple of self-press twos that are financial uh, advisors, mm-hmm. like that guy. And a famous one is that guy, uh, you guys might not know him, Dave Ramsey, who's like mm-hmm. a, um, yeah. and there's a lot of that kind of um, two-ish mothering energy and him giving you so much care, right? And it's got that heart energy kind of thing. And, it, and he's wanting to change your whole life mm-hmm. by your financial situation. Well, our, our pod friend, Alex Giroux, is a self mm-hmm. too, and she's a, a death doula. And help, you know, it's like she's she's working to help people to who are dying to like mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. transition both in terms of their spiritual inner life as well as like how to make sure that you're okay, your family's okay financially, like in terms of paying for your funeral and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. She's also, the opposite of fragile. Right. She's yeah, also exactly. she's also doing birth doula stuff now and also a Reiki healer. So like, you know, and a dancer. So there's like all this body stuff but it's yeah. not uh yeah it's, it's not fragile yeah and it's not like a child <laughs> no, no. At all. it's very there's there's very an adult quality that um there is like you know all twos have a certain soft cute quality that comes out but it's it's not this gross like to kill me and also can we never use the word seduction and child in that way ever again? <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> I get what they're what they're trying to say. Like, yeah, but it just did they not read that sentence and go, that's problematic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a boomer book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It was written by a person. So okay, that means we have four, five, six, five, seven. six seven left. All right. All right. All right. All right, bye. All right, bye. <laughs> <Video>. <laughs>